0: For every business challenge, there is a solution. The Big Small Business Show is made
1: possible by MTN Business.
2: And by Chartered Accountants of South Africa. Lead your industry with a responsible partner. Partner with the CASA today.
3: the menu today. From, from my, my perspective I want to ask you around the, the pricing, you know, your, your the, the incoming big competitor, their pricing versus yours, is there a big difference?
4: Well I think it, it's one thing being vulnerable as a leader, I think in tough times it does not make sense to pretend that things are not tough.
5: The fragmented um, mindset of being a mother and an entrepreneur requires different um uh, emotional stability as well. Hello and welcome to the Big Small Business
3: Show. On the show we support entrepreneurs at every stage of the entrepreneurial journey. Whether you've just started a business, came up with it in the shower this morning and want to know if it's a good idea or not, whether you're a big business so uh, who's battling to get to the next level, this is the show for you. And this is our panel uh, section today. And uh, with us in studio today we have our marketing guru, Manalisa, welcome.
5: Thank you, Alan. good to be back.
3: And Kumaran Pariyachi, who is our finance guru. How's it? Good, good, how are you doing? Well, very good, well. good. Bringing up your checkered past here. <laughs> now, our <laughs> guest in studio today is David Sankar. He's CEO of the Business Exchange. They provide office space to businesses, and their offerings range from work desks to collaborative spaces to typical offices you'd find in any other office block. Let's have a look.
2: The Business Exchange is a company that provides office spaces to other businesses. With fully equipped and creative meeting rooms, contemporary furnished private offices, a gym and full IT, voice and administration services, the founder of the business, David Sengar, wanted to create an environment for all tenants, especially SMEs, to succeed in their fields.
0: In my previous business, as an entrepreneur I actually had an office in a business center and coming from a property background in my corporate career my business then was all about connecting entrepreneurs to investors you know we had a an online brokerage where entrepreneurs could upload their deals and connect to to investors so when i was working there in the business center i saw a gap for doing what i did but also bringing in the the property side of it and that's how the concepts of the Business Exchange came about.
2: We had an office in an area called Maboneng. Um, at the time it worked. We we thought, brilliant, we're in the heart of the action. Um, we discovered much later that there was problems with like traffic, so pulling in and out of there was a mission. So a friend of mine recommended um, the Business Exchange. As a small business, they really do give you a sense of belonging. So you get a sense of, um, there are other people that are going through the same things that you are so ever so often they'll have these events where we network, You know, we chat to each other and we're constantly feeding off each other so there's a great sense of family and belonging. The business has been in operation for five years with a turnover approaching 50 million. David currently has four centres running across the country with a staff of 30
5: employees. I've been working for TBE for the last two and a half years. We have captured the Calten market in under five years. We are now expanding into, we are actually expanding nationally and we're going to border into Mauritius and into Africa very soon.
0: Doing what we do, we create workspace and initially when we find a building we have to build it out and fit it out and create offices. Um, so, we made a couple of mistakes in, in that regard with the sizing of some of the offices. So later on, we had to restructure that. We had some big tenants move in that then moved out, so we had to, again, create small little cellular spaces out of these massive spaces, which we didn't envisage we had to do. So that sets us back at a point, you know, about a year after opening, um, obviously from a cash flow point of view and income point of view that, you know, we took a bit of a knock, but we bounced back well.
2: David seeks to expand his business having a 50% foothold across the African continent, but in order to achieve this long-term goal, he still needs to find a way of overcoming his new challenge.
0: Next year we have a big international competitor coming to South Africa, who and they provide quite a similar offering to what we do. Um, so, my question to the panel would be, how do I mitigate against that? Well, as you heard,
3: David would like us to assist him to prepare for the arrival of an international com- competitor. Welcome, David. Thank you. Right, let's just start off by looking at South Africa. South Africa alone is a very competitive space. How do you differentiate yourself here with, with local competitors?
0: So, I like to call it our three pillars which is space, community and collaboration. When we create our spaces, we focus on the design aspect. It's very cutting edge and contemporary. Uh, we have amazing artworks, some internationally acclaimed artists, exhibits in our, in our spaces. We have amazing technology um, and the location is really good. And around the community, we, sounds a bit cliche, but we really do, as um, one of our tenants said, we have a personal touch that we, that we give all of our tenants. And uh, collaboration. We do that through two ways. We have events every single month. Some are networking, some more informal. Um, and also our app. So we use technology in our app to help collaboration amongst tenants. They can engage in the app, advertise their services, and as directories and classifieds. Yeah. So those are the three ways we differentiate right now, and we've done it. Yeah, really well so far.
3: So, so uh, effectively, you more, if I'm understanding correctly, more business. Uh, aimed at doing business. Absolutely. It's not about the funky space. It's about the business of doing business. Would that yeah. be correct?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'd say we're a very serious brand. Um, we're more sophisticated than our competitors, from the way we design our workspaces to the way we interact with our people and our tenants. So yeah, we're serious about business, and we see it all the time. You know, our, our tenants collaborate naturally and 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 get deals done.
1: What aspects of this international competitor are you worried about <coughs> specifically?
0: So, they're a very fast-growing company internationally, they've gone into many different countries and continents um, So it's the first time they're coming here. They're a lot more closely aligned to what we do and our value proposition versus um, the local competitors. Look, we've had big international companies here for a very long time, you know, 20, 30, 25 years, but um, yeah, they're a lot more aligned with us and the way we go about our business. Although, they're not as serious and sophisticated as we are, they, their design, aesthetics, um, community, those sort of um, yeah. aspects they are- They have constantly. a lot of
1: bullets as well? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And so what is your, you, you've obviously been thinking about this, what is your preconceived ideas on how you think you want to head them off at the pass, before we give you our thoughts?
0: Yeah, so I think, as I mentioned earlier, we, we're a serious company, Serious brand and the way we do things is in a serious way. Whereas they've positioned themselves as more of a funky, freelancer, uh, beyond tap type of, type of operation, we're not that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we sophisticated in our design, and as I said, our approach. And, and uh, they don't push those elements. And we've just naturally become that and we've become good at it. So I think that's the, for me right now, the obvious, the obvious uh, differentials, yeah.
5: And then, um, Dave, how have you been um, attracting your cu- current client mm. profile? How, how,
0: what has been the approach to that? So, online digital advertising is key for us. Mm-hmm. Um, the events play their part too, becomes a good marketing tool for us. And um, the way we built in terms of the office spaces and sizes and the way we designed. All of these components came together to, I guess, initially define in no, our target market. Yeah, yeah. So yes, uh, that was a good thing. Um, and then it just carried on in that way. I guess it also talks, talks to me and the personality that I am. Mm. You know, I'm I'm very serious about business and entrepreneurship and this stuff keeps me awake all night, you know. So I think because of that I've attracted a community of tenants that are similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it's how grown in it a scale from from a
3: DNA point of view. How do you replicate yourself across in your personality yeah. across so many
0: uh, geographies so, yeah so I think one way must be our people you know the people that we have now are very much um, you know focused as I am and they uh, tuned as I'm tuned type of you know type of thing so that's filtered through to the rest of the business and the culture and our values and the way we do things we quick we fast we get things done um, so yeah so I guess our people are carrying it through the, f- the four centers we have now and and I'm sure it will as we grow into other other centres and markets.
3: We've got to take a break down, when we come back uh, we'll have uh, more clarifying questions for David. This is The Big Small Business Show, and our guest today in studio is David Sanker, CEO of the Business Exchange, and they provide office space to businesses. Now, before the break, we were trying to get an understanding of how the brand is positioned quite clearly from other local brands, and and how David is thinking about uh, actually competing himself against an uh, incoming uh, big player, uh, international player. Melissa, you've got a question.
5: Yeah. Uh, Dave, obviously one Mm -hmm. of your pillars you said, you know, the design is for small businesses or in fact the whole packaging, um, you know, from a cost perspective, location and all these things Mm -hmm. that small businesses struggle with. Have you got um, already uh, within the growth of the business exchange Mm -hmm. clients that have grown with you? So they started off with one office and are now expanding. Um, Mm -hmm. What has pushed the expansion? Is it because you need more offices or there's also the internal growth within your clientele?
0: So one of the key or well, one of the key points of the value proposition is the flexibility of office space. Mm-hmm. So to your point, we've had a client starting out taking a virtual office for a few hundred rand a month. The clients grown into taking a smaller office of you know, a couple of people, to up to taking a 10 person office. You know. mm-hmm. So we see that growth all the time. Sure. And we cater for various different you know, size of businesses from you know, the freelancers to the, the small to medium sized companies and even corporates. You know, mm-hmm. We've got big banks taking space from us locally, and the international uh, market coming in that's taking mm-hmm. space and wanting to get into the African market. Um, we focus more on that growing, you know, business. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been around and it's a high growth company. And the reason we do that is because we like to create a like-minded community. Sure. And you know, because as I said, we're serious about getting deals done and business. Um, we feel that if we can create that community of similar size Sorry. companies and with same objectives, we can get more business done. So that's been a, that's been a, a focus point for us. Sure. Yeah.
3: From, from my, my perspective, I want to ask you around the, the pricing. You know, your, you, the, the incoming big competitor, their pricing ver- versus yours, is there a big difference?
0: So there will be. Um, in, which, in which direction? They'll be more expensive. Yeah. They'll be more expensive. Um, their, their costs are higher. From what I've seen to fit out and build and take on new spaces and uh, I think they're coming into this market thinking they know everything and it's you know similar to other markets they are going into and I think they might have a few surprises but um, their pricing will be higher based on what I've seen and, and what I've what researched. What happens if they watch this and then come in cheaper? I've got my producer in this year and you in this year. <laughs> I I know what's going on in the market and I know um, the deal structures that they're going into and it just won't be feasible for them and uh, there won't be sustainability in their model if they do try and undercut us. So they might but... Can you
3: withstand the the classic coming
0: in, dropping the prices, burning you out? Can you withstand that? Well then I guess it comes back to our three pillars in our value proposition and how we're we delivering on that and how loyal our customers are to us. And I'd like to think that it's not, it wouldn't be a price war, but our, loyal, our customers stay loyal to us because of the service mm-hmm. we're giving, that they're happy and they've been with us for a long time.
1: You know, this, this game that you're in, this mm. uh, short, what what do we call it? Flexible. Flexible, Flexible. workspace. Yeah. Um, there was just one player many years ago, mm. and then in the recent past there was a few like you've mentioned, yeah. and, and it's well accepted now There's not a trend this is just the way it is. But in the beginning, when everyone was out competing mm. or coming up, it was it was more commodity-based strategy, was mm. my sense, mm. which is simply, hey, get any office on the cheap, mm. sign the lease, put some chairs and table. I'm exaggerating it. Right. And that's our offering, and mm-hmm. sign it up. And so the next guy does the same thing. And maybe they kind of compete or optimize their cost model or whatever it is. So mm. all the horses are, mm. The, in the race in mm. the, with the same strategy, right. but there comes a time which is probably now already where some start breaking away and start going into nuanced strategy. right? right. So these guys from international obviously have done that because mm. they've taken on another big international player, but mm. their strategy specifically is very different, it's got nuance. Mm. Whereas all the local players, barring yourself, have got mm. fairly the same type right. of commoditized offering or strategy. So. Where do you see the break coming in? Do you get what I'm... You know? Yeah, I mean, yeah,
0: I, th- I think it's important that we stay true to our differentials to them. Um, mm. And we really drive that home. I think there's... You know, I don't care. Yeah, I think there's, the industry's in a very high growth phase right now. Mm. I mean, if you look at cities like New York and London, biggest occupiers of office space or actually service office business like ourselves um, so the trends are there and, and it's a matter of time before even bigger corporates are going to start looking at signing shorter leases and, and entering into contracts with you know companies like us so uh, it's indirectly I think answering your question not quite answering but there's I think there will be consolidation Um I think a lot of companies are going to fall away I mean, there are, you know, a lot of company, uh, entrepreneurs think, oh, serviced offices, flavour of the month, let's just go try it. But they, they don't succeed because it's not so simple. But I think there'll be consolidation and yeah. um, companies need to really position who they are and what they're all about and then quick really drive that
1: home. I have a yeah. quick question on the third pillar, the community. Yeah. Is is there any segmentation, separate you know segmentation within that, or is just a vibe and events that happen to build this community sense? I'm 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 wanting you to answer me in there's certain segments around this community. Do you get what I'm? Yeah, I think
0: yeah. So the segment we focus on, and as I would say, seventy five to eighty percent of our clientele, is that is is that you know company that's three to five people growing in professional services and um, a lot of their clients are the big corporates so they're stable mm. and got good revenues and you know that that's where we play mm. however times are changing as I mentioned and just through our marketing channels without you know properly selling it, and we will do that soon you know we're starting to get a lot bigger corporate business that are coming in now international and local mm. So again, things, the landscape could change quite a bit for us in the next few years.
3: Mm. Well, what's changed for us is time. We've got Mm -hmm. to take a break now. uh, When we are back, we'll come back with our summaries. Do stay tuned. This is the Big Small Business Show and our guest in studio today is David Senke. He's CEO of the Business Exchange And they provide office space to businesses, small businesses, big businesses, all types of businesses, flexible workspace. And so, for our summaries, we're going to start with you, Kamara. All right.
1: David, uh, your issue is about how to preempt a large competitor who's got all the bullets and all of that coming in. So, my comments go in two categories one is a philosophical thing, and the other one is a strategy issue. On the philosophy thing, you've got the perfect name, David. You know this Malcolm Gladwell book, David and Goliath, mm. where Goliath wasn't the one with the strength. Uh, the one that had all the advantages was actually David. Mm. So that orientation is important to see, because mm. the same things that that uh, Goliath had, the strength, was a disadvantage in that context. Mm. So I think their size and their bullets and their kind of uh, template of just plant a frag, let's we hit South Africa, same report, mm. uh, same strategy, rinse, repeat. He's going to count. I didn't give any. Yeah, he's going to be. Aga- he's going to count against them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, so I would, I would have that right philosophy in your head first, and then, like a boxer, if we still mm-hmm. stick to this fighting type of thing, you would. Uh, if someone's going up with a Mike Tyson or Mombin Ali, they would study all that boxer's previous matches to see their modus operandi. Mm-hmm. So you would go and research these guys and find out w- what's their model their modus operandi and all those types of stuff, right? Do they discount when they come in first? Mm-hmm. Do they go for a particular community? Find out everything about their boxing match and where the weak spots are. Mm-hmm. Not that you want to copy that, but you want to study that opponent. So I, I would do that. And then use you're quite right. You need to stick to your advantages or iterate your advantage a little bit. And this game that you're in, this flexible workspace, now calls for that, which comes to my second point on strategy, once we, we see this philosophically like this. Mm-hmm. And where it's going to be in my sense is around the segmentation mm. and it's about the nuance mm. and 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 the segmentation and maybe uh, you've got to redefine the location game from a strategy point of view maybe so their model is going to be they have to just come and supplant it in here mm. there's no they they are restricted for all the money in the world from going into the nuance because the model may not allow it but you have that advantage so I would segment you said professional services mm. so if you say, I'm going for broke on just this segment, professional service, as an example, as an example. And then your services and the events and the things you offer is catering only for that segmentation. Then you stand out. If your audience is more professional services, there's, there's only one place for me, it's David's place. Because look at all these things that cater just for my kind of tribe of professional services. So there's an advantage about going. Into a segment, you can do that across your business, or you can do it in different sites. That site is professional services. That one is media or advertising. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the, the last uh, point is location. You want to, if traffic is a problem, you want to be considering the advantage of being in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, because people don't like that. Mm-hmm.
3: Melissa,
5: um dave um i think i'm going to latch on because you know as you're talking and and you would appreciate you from the property background what is happening within the commercial sp- uh, office mm-hmm. space is what is happening in the retail space mm-hmm. now where the the l- landlords have to consider being more flexible because the big boxes and the long-term leases are mm-hmm. not the, the ideal strategy for growth anymore. Um, but what I what I want to latch on is what you said, uh, two things, remaining true to who you are. And I think that's largely what um, Kumaran is saying. But I think, you know, having looked at what's happening in the retail space, it is the the differentiator in many respects is the offering that tells the organizations whether they be small businesses or corporates what they actually need because a lot of them don't know what they know they've got to cut space they know they've got to have more flexibility but in their minds because it's not their core they just want to focus on what their business is and what they're doing they need somebody to just almost kind of you know, pull it out of a hat and say this is what you need. And I think in doing that and sharpening your value proposition, which I think is already great, and selling it um, as that, so that it is known um, and 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 can be relatable to somebody who's saying this is what I'm looking for. I think there's there's opportunity to just uh, cement your your edge in the market. That's my view.
3: Thanks. I also gonna echo everything I've heard. Uh, just add four new points to it. So first of all i think your your core differentiator needs to be defined even further which is the business of business because mm-hmm. funky is funky and it, it you know uh, but i think people are in business to make money and it they're serious and i think you need to push that much harder mm-hmm. the business of business the second thing i think around execution everyone can come in and we you have heard this on the show before is mm-hmm. it all comes down to how you execute your strategy strategy is one thing but how getting the little things right mm-hmm is critically important. And if your competitors don't get those things right, people will, will inadvertently wander over to you because you're getting those things right. So focus on the detail on executing property. The third thing is defining yourself more. I think what we've heard today in terms of sayings and, and Melissa saying is, is true. But I, I'd like to have a very strong border around who who you are and what you stand for, what you don't stand for. That needs to be crystal clear, so that in the, in the consumer's mind, they understand what you stand for and understand then those, are those other guys that you stand for this. And that to me has to be the business of business. And finally, the, co- the contradiction is the fact that you need to be flexible, because I think that as, as they land, they're also not stupid, they're watching this thing, they are going to adapt and you need to be ready for that a- adaptation. If you are expecting to follow a strategy before and and not anticipate them being uh, quite nimble I think uh, I think that would be a bad bad form I think you need to expect them to move and you'd be ready to move as well. Please stay tuned to see what's coming up after the break We'll be right back because as a uh, entrepreneur as a CEO There are days where, where, you know, we feel down too. Can we cry in front of our horses? This is the Big Small Business Show. Thanks for coming back and sharing some of your time with us. Now somebody who's been on the show before around the subject of leadership uh, is Lee Nike. He is the CEO of TransUnion Africa and uh, I would say he's one of the consummate CEOs in in this country and he's been sharing his insights into leadership with us here on the Big Small Business Show. Today we're going to be talking about something that is very important I think for all entrepreneurs right now is how to lead in tough times. Welcome back Lee.
4: Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. So,
3: so these are tough times, right?
4: Our unemployment rate is about 26.6% and the one that worries us the most as a bureau is that almost 73% of of disposable income is servicing debt in the country. So we're a highly indebted nation and any business coming to that marketplace has to be well aware of the tough context that you walk into.
3: So now I'm a small business, I'm I'm within the the sea of, uh, not tranquility, but sea of what feels like disaster all around. And I've got a business to run, I've got people who are in debt, I've got people who are depressed about the politics, I've got people who um, are worried about whether we'll be in business tomorrow or not. So how do I lead in in, in an organisation such as that, it can't be the same as leading a business that's fly, or is it?
4: Well, I think it is different. I think one of the things you always learn as a leader is that you're always two steps ahead of your team. Not that you need to know the answers, but you've worked at some of the scenarios that you could be following. I think it's specifically arduous in times like this for entrepreneurs, because they're very survival. Their cash flow is dependent on very prudent and decisions that may come their way. And depending how they choose, they may not be around three months from now. So I think it is important. I think the strategy has to be slightly different. One of the things we talk about in this current context is, are you organized for the way you need to work in this context? What does that mean? Well, What that means very, very simply is, even though you're an entrepreneur, you're meant to be small. I find that entrepreneurs still do things that aren't efficient in design. What do I mean by that? As an entrepreneur, you've got to figure out what you're good at doing, what you want to do. I find that many organizations or entrepreneurs are building systems, trying to build custom models for things, whether it's HR, payroll, where in a world that we live in now that everything is as a service, it's cloud-based. Can you actually consume these services on an as a service model where if you did shut down, there's no long-term consequence from a cash flow expense perspective? I think the things that all entrepreneurs need to succeed typically fit into a box. I've been calling it SME in a box, entrepreneur in a box. And it's important that if an entrepreneur is doing things that makes him unique to the industry, they should try and ensure the things that are commodity. And as a reminder, a commodity is things that everybody need. Everybody needs payroll, unless you're in the payroll business, it is not a differentiator. So your non differentiators should be things that are efficiently consumed from an industry service provider. When you are thinking about things that differentiate you, which will end up being core to who you are and core to your growth strategy. If you are spending the limited, you know, cash flow you have or the capital you have towards those items, you'll be very, very clear that every decision you make is judicious. If you think about Elon Musk and other famous entrepreneurs, from time to time they throw all of the money around one single idea. How can they do it alone? Because they've actually researched this. They've thought about it many, many times. They've modeled many, many scenarios. And ultimately, they've convinced enough people in their A team, and that's a concept we've spoken about previously, to follow them, hello, high water, to realize a vision and strategy.
3: So, talk about following in, in this time. Because as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, there are days where, where you know, we feel down too. Can sure. we cry in front of our horses? Can we uh, show our weakness, show our vulnerability? Is sure. that, is that uh, prudent as a leader?
4: Well, I think it, it's one thing being vulnerable as a leader. I think in tough times, it does not make sense to pretend that things are not tough. Having said that, a friend of mine who served in Her Majesty's Royal Army actually mentioned to me when the leader feels cold the entire team or the squadron or the troop feels cold as well. And I'd like to use that analogy. When you think about the path ahead, you've chosen a bunch of people to follow you. You've always got to have this positive mindset. You're going to be practical about what you do and how you approach it on a day-to-day basis. But ultimately, you are the lighthouse. You are guiding them in a certain direction. If you lose sight of the end of the tunnel, everybody else loses it as well.
3: So let's come back to um people now you talk about uh, structuring the business let's assume now you need to downsize in order to survive part of part of that is morale sure. okay how do you how do you then manage the storyline around downsize so that that not the, not everyone leaves because you could have the unintended consequences everything, so the whole ship is sinking and you know, everyone leaves and all the your A team leaves with them.
4: Sure. There are many strategies to to downsizing an organization. I think a, a final retrenchment or a hardcore from a labor process is always the last thing one considers. And if I was an entrepreneur, I would think about it in a sequence of steps. One, are you doing things that somebody else should be doing? and if you are doing those things, figure out a way to offload that with the people onto a third party provider Mm. and you start to consume the services. You look at other avenues as well. You look at temporary contractors, people that are early retirement candidates, and only at the very final step do you consider some harder action. And when you do consider the harder action, it's an important thing to note that if you don't make the sacrifice as a collective business, the bigger organisation in itself may cease to exist as well. So communicating very transparently but very clearly that this is something you got to do is par for the course. Being a leader isn't meant to be easy every day. That is why we're chosen as jockeys, entrepreneurs and leaders to take these businesses forward. On some days, and hopefully these days are sparingly few, you've got to make some hard calls and back yourself to succeed. If anybody told you it's very, very friendly at the top, it's not at all. Your job is to make the business succeed and sometimes at all costs.
3: 30 seconds, I want to ask you a very personal question. What is it about leadership that you enjoy most?
4: Well, the biggest thing I enjoy about leadership, I think, is making a difference first and foremost. Secondly, I enjoy building teams that subscribe to making a difference. And I take my passion and my background and where I come from and I see the need to make a difference and solve really big problems. Pulling a bunch of people behind me to that A-team that can deliver on that intent is what makes me happy and gets me up every morning. Ultimately, the one word that describes what I've just said is purpose. You've got to have purpose every day when you wake up.
3: Such a good place to end. Uh, that was Lee Nike, uh, who, um, in my opinion, the consummate South African CEO. He's the CEO of TransUnion Africa, and we've been talking about leadership. That's it. the end of this uh, leadership slot. Uh, do stay tuned to find out what's coming up next on the show.
5: Um, that's why I'm emphasizing we only plan for the nine months mm. because y- essentially you can't plan post the nine months.
3: Welcome. Now, if you are a man or a woman out there, you might be interested to know that I was the second male member of the Business Women's Association. I'm on record as saying that I think that women entrepreneurs are some of the best entrepreneurs, if not the best entrepreneurs out there. I have an incredible respect for women in the entrepreneurship space as I grew up with an entrepreneurial mother and my predisposition was that women are powerful entrepreneurs in the economy. But there is a fact of life that women sometimes become pregnant and uh, when they become pregnant they can work up until a certain point and then off they go to have their babies and at some point they have to come back into their work if they are working or as an entrepreneur, okay, how do they come back into the space of entrepreneurship after recent, recently giving birth to a baby and still have being a mom and being an entrepreneur. Now joining us uh, in studio is somebody who is very familiar to you, it's Mona Lisa. <laughs> Sam, welcome. Thank you. And she is one of those people, she is one of those people that went off to have a baby and is now coming back into the entrepreneurship fray, and she's going to be talking us to us today about all the things you need to do to consider to organize in order to come back. Yeah. So first of all, congratulations.
5: Thank you, lot. Okay, it's a baby girl, right? Baby girl, Pilar yeah. Sande. Oh, her name.
3: Beautiful, beautiful. Thank and you. I've seen pictures. Really, really beautiful. Thank you. Okay. So how do you how do you first of all? There's a, there's some people say that you know a lot of women before giving uh, be giving birth, have this notion that they're going to come back and then they realize that this is not what they thought it was going to be and don't come back. Mm. Uh, did you ever think of not coming back into the entrepreneurship space?
5: I did. Um, and I think it's for um, women go through different perspectives once you become a mother. Um, I think primarily, obviously, there's the, the responsibility that you have And as a first time mom, I think when more of an emotive factor, I think in the beginning was, I I won't be able to leave this child with anyone else. There's, 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 There's that kind of idea in your mind. But the reality is that you have to go back to something uh, life uh, requires you to provide, you know. um, in as much as you can make a choice and say, I want to be a full-time mom, and I think that in itself is a respectful uh, decision, and and I really honor the moms who who do that. Um, But some of us have to make decisions based on our circumstances, uh, particularly in how we provide. Now, if you're going back, if you're in a corporate uh, full-time environment, working full-time, it's very easy, you know. There's policies in place um, in order to guide your decision about how long you're going to take off, and when it is that you are required to come back. But at the end of the day, it's I think for the mother, it's not that easy. There is an element of uh, fear that you you might not be relevant anymore because
3: in the workplace in the
5: workplace because yeah. I mean, at, on average. Um, maternity leave is six months in some in some companies and that's a long time half a year a lot can happen if you think Mm. about the milestones that your baby can achieve in six months think about it then in terms of your work organization so they have to be i mean it's, it's always awesome when the when the company is open to how flexible you can be during your maternity leave so that you can stay Uh, almost semi-engaged because at the end of the day you still need to be engaged with um, With your child and other factors alone. uh, I think you know what I found uh, The most the biggest revelation is that there is so much and rightfully so focus on the nine months that you We only plan for that nine Mm. months essentially Uh, we don't plan for the after so so many factors, how was your birth experience? Um, are you going to suffer or did you suffer from any postnatal depression? So there's other health factors that actually determine how fit you are to actually go back into a stressful kind of uh, situation, which entrepreneurship is. Um, a time factor if your baby has special needs. Um, you know, th- those kind of things can really kind of uh, determine how you, you go back. So. It's just those considerations. Let, let's focus
3: on entrepreneurship per mm. se, and and um, and coming back in terms of some of the things that you need to consider practically in terms of from a support system point mm. of view that you have to have a support system, and then there also has to be sort of a level of flexibility mm. as well because mm. babies get sick, you know, things also do happen. There's a lot that can happen. happen in the, in, yeah,
5: I think. I mean, the the main consideration, depending on what type of business you're in. So, me as a consulting business, my my business is client interfacing. Mm. So, clients rely on me being there, giving the, the the work and so forth. So now, when I'm not going to be there, you have to kind of uh, have that understanding with the client as to say, what does it mean? If the client is not comfortable with you know remote, then you've got a, a problem in that you're not able to earn, mm. right? Um, so that's now another factor you have to consider to say if your business can continue without you so you're selling products and you have a team that can continue that operation whilst you supervise you know in and out then you know it can it can work well to to a degree but if you're in the consulting business you've got to consider how do I continue the interfacing when I'm away Does it mean that my business stops if you are let's say don't have a full team does my business stop for six months if that is the case how do i then build reserves uh, financial reserves in order to be able to be comfortable during that time and then going into that um, you know after that period um, the consideration of your support system whilst you're away because i think the fragmented um, mindset of being a mother and an entrepreneur requires different um, uh, emotional stability as well.
3: We speak about the the support system that you have to have in place, but there are also other things, for example, like delegation, um, that having an ability to delegate, and and I know that having partnered with a number of uh, women entrepreneurs who have been uh, through what you're going through now, I think some of the things that I picked up were that they, first of all, planning was necessary, which you highlighted. Number two, delegation was very important, and and that had to come with a level of authority Mm. of people inside to actually make those decisions. Mm. Mm. And so that happened in the nine months before who was going to do what, and that's part of the planning. Then the third thing is your re-entry, because I think coming back, and and, and maybe as a consultant might be different to a, um, a business where there are multiple People in the organization. So, given you the the responsibility to make decisions, now I come back. Now, what do I do? <laughs> do I take it back? back? Yeah. And what does that do to our relationship?
5: Yeah. I think you have to uh, factor what is best for the business. You know, with any environment, suddenness is 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 not healthy, right? So, hence the planning ahead of time. And I think in in the instance of delegating authority, delegating decision making if you have been comfortable enough during the time away that this person has made the decision in the best interest of the business there's no real rush to now claim back your authority. You've almost got to ease yourself back into it. And you know what, Alon, you might come back thinking this is probably the better person for the job. You know, there's also that reality. and that's you, why Are was, you
3: more empathetic now?
5: I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I certainly am because I think Um, That's why I'm emphasizing we only plan for the nine months Mm. because essentially you can't plan post the nine months because you don't know how you're going to feel and so forth. You can create systems and support systems to ensure that you're stable, but it might be that you might decide after that nine months, not out of any irrational decision, but... Perhaps this is the better person for, for the position. and That might be a new transition for you within um, the space that you occupied before you became a mom.
3: Well, that's all we've got time for, for today. Uh, I must say from my point of view, I'm very happy you're back.
5: Thank you. Uh, and
3: I've always thought you were empathetic. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, for for the moms out there who are uh, have just uh, given birth, uh, uh, we hope that you are inspired to come back into into entrepreneurship and, uh, and get stuck in again. We need everybody at this thing uh, called entrepreneurship in order, to, in order to develop our economy. Well, that's it uh, for today. Please stay tuned uh, to find out uh, some of my thoughts and uh, ideas on the entrepreneurial journey. Well it's time for our reflections uh, for today, and uh, I think that's quite pertinent. If you've been watching the show over the last uh, couple of months, in fact couple of years, the one thing you'll notice is that there is always some sort of innovation, renewal. Now it's uh, our reflections, Come on and I are sitting together. Sometimes we shoot from uh, the entrepreneur's office, sometimes we shoot from my offices, um, and, uh, and sometimes we're here in studio. And we keep it fresh and keep it moving. But it's not that always that easy in terms of your own business to, to you know, once you get used to something, you get good, good at that thing, it's sort of the beginning of the, the seed of complacency. Even if you work hard, there's a sense of complacency around reinventing yourself because you become better and better and better and more honed at something. And you think that that's going to serve you in the long run. And then you have this... In in very common this word which I really dislike, or disruption uh, about this disruptive element, or your or your business might be uh, just slowly moving, or the industry might be moving in another direction, and you're getting better and better at that. And that's sort of something we need to be very conscious of about yeah.
1: reinventing ourselves, reinventing ourselves, falling in love with uh, in love again with our with our business, you know. Um, uh, so like how I do manage- you do it? And uh, so I've recently gone through something like that where I'm very excited not that I wasn't before but that's now like a 5-year-old you know kid in a candy store and uh, I went to some so, so things one can do is that if there's a, a pertinent conference you can go to that uh, recently I was at two this year the one in East Africa one mm-hmm. in Europe but the one in East Africa you know made me reflect on how they do their fi- uh, we're in a finance business how they do their financing there and how they use technology with that mm they've used the constraints as an advantage. So it's, it made them more creative because of their constraints. Mm. And I was left thinking, wow, well, you know, whilst we live in the most beautiful country in the continent or in the world, South Africa, in certain regards with technology and, and finance, or banking, we're arrogant and we're complacent. That's the word you used. Mm. And our success becomes our, the contribution to our future failure. And uh, so I was very inspired by what I saw happening in East Africa. Mm. And uh, that accelerated me to research more things. And now I've got like a different kind of a wind in that. And so the the point of this is put yourself outside of your normal context. Mm. Go totally 180 degrees. and, And whatever that may look or feel for you, whether it may be a conference, maybe talking to someone that's an upstart or someone that failed or a different sector altogether, you know, put yourself in a different... Yes. yes,
3: so that's exactly, I mean, we've got a few seconds left, okay, exactly,
1: no, 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 no that,
3: that's exactly what uh, what I did with going into the schools. Yes. I know nothing about uh, schools. I've got experience in business and absolutely loved not knowing, yeah. but bringing another set of knowledge into a, pl- a place and learning a whole new set and combining the new and the old is a very, very rich place mm. to in- reinvent yourself. Well that's it for today. Until next time, from all of us, it's goodbye and remember if you think it, make it reality and write it down. See, we reinvented ourselves. (laughs) So welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Big Small Business Show and this is uh, our section where we are going to be talking about uh, nothing. Let's do that again.
2: Big Small Business Show is brought to you by Chartered Accountants of South Africa. Transform the future of your business. Partner with the CASA today.
1: Everywhere you go, MTN.